once again to the Apocalypse Podcast. I'm Chief Taste Tester Sam and I'm joined by Chief Chef James. Hi James. Hello. You're not going to say something in Russian? Chinese? No. Just can't. Polish? Can't English. <laughs> okay. James, we've made it to episode 13. Nine months since our pig bebop first came into our lives. Could have had a child in that time. Thank God we didn't. Thank God. So he's dying at 100 kilos. <laughs> How much of him is left in the freezer? We're down to probably about 10 kilos now. We've got our Boston butt, some kidneys, some skin. Not lots. But there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. We can see the back of the freezer. Yes. We've started buying quite a lot of other meat to fill in the gaps. How are you feeling about the rest of our challenge? I am enjoying it. A lot of the these later bits of meat that we've done are some of the grislier bits, you know? Like, we've been through the prime cuts now. Yeah. And we're just having to do... Well, not the Boston butt. No, not the Boston butt. That is something well, to look forward to. He's, the, he's the, the diamond in the rough, shall we say. Yeah, we're going to go out on a high with that. Yeah. Yes, and what are we going to be talking about this week? We're doing the trotters. And what are the trot- what, trotters? I can't even say trotters. What are the trotters, otherwise known as? Trotter is the culinary name for the foot of a pig, also known as petite <laughs> I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. No. It looks French when I see it written It down. does. It looks like small toe in, in Franglish. <laughs> yeah. Or if it was just more British pronouncing it. Petty toe. <laughs> or something. What do you think it means? Like small toe? I don't know. No, me neither. Any, no. Well, pigs do have small toes. So. We have some history with trotters, don't we? Do you remember oh. Objet de Cochon? Indeed I do. Literally, it's called the foot of the pig. It's a restaurant in Montreal? Yes. It is. Uh, run by a chef called Martin Picard. And what did we eat there? God. Uh, well, what, I mean, what didn't we, we eat What there? didn't we eat? I kind of think the whole point of the restaurant was that pretty much it was about using all the crazy bits of a pig. Um, we definitely had a, a stuffed trotter. I can't even remember what it was stuffed with. More pig, I think. Yeah, it was huge, wasn't it? Yeah, I think like, we only made it through about a third of it. We had one each, it was mental. Because we had also had the best pork scratchings ever. Oh my god. It was a pork scratching salad. <laughs> it was an experience, if you can uh, hear my quotation marks there. So I think we were kind of looking forward to exploring trotters again. Well, I wanted to sort of, albeit temporarily, transport us back to that wonderful day. I know, the these last two episodes have been a bit of a Canadian love-in, haven't they? And that's fine, I love Canada. Canada's a great country. Hello Canadian listeners. <laughs> Now, as always, don't forget, if you have any thoughts on pork or would just like to share some recipes, then you can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram by searching for The Apocalypse Podcast or find us at apocalypsepodcast.com. So first up, the science bit. James, over to you. Now, the science of the trotters. Essentially, if you look at uh, an entire pig leg, then the trotter is the furthest part of the ham. It's the bit away from all the nice muscle and meat at the top. There is actually very little muscle. There's a whole lot of tendons. You've got the extensor carpi radialis, the extensor carpi obliquus, the lateral digital extensor, the common digital extensor, the fifth digital extensor. That's not even half of the What's the, the fist one doing? It's only got four legs. I think that's sort of like the thumb of the... Oh! Do you know what I mean? Like, the, if you could imagine... A non-opposable pig thumb. Yeah, if you can imagine a trotter as a hand, then it's sort of the equivalent bit of the I'd thumb. rather not. It feels a bit animal farm. <laughs> well, true. But then, you know, we're, the part of this whole experiment is getting to know our meat and, uh, and realising that every bite that we take is precious life. <laughs> <laughs> of, of a once-live animal. 
Okay, so moving on. Yeah, I'm sure the, on. the list goes on and on. So the list goes on and on of all of the different parts of the trotter. But the bottom line is a lot of tendon, a lot of fat, a lot of skin, and all of that is very chewy and very tough, which means slow cooking. There are absolutely no quick and easy trotter recipes out there, believe me, I have looked. I'm sure you have. Now, generally, pigs tend to have four legs, as did our pig, Bebop. Why do you say generally and tend to? (laughs) Because you could have an amputee pig. You could have a pig that is born deformed and they would have less legs. (laughs) You could have a pig that has more than four legs. Quite right. And we are equal opportunities, pork eaters, so we would have loved Bebop, however many legs he had. Yeah, and we would In fact, I might have preferred it if he'd had less trotters. If he had less legs, we still would have eaten the trotters that he still had. (laughs) So we had four trotters to get through. Now, definitely on our pig... The rear trotters were bigger than the front trotters. I don't know whether that's just because the butcher cut them that way. Maybe she included a bit more of the calf of the back legs. But my top tip, which is that if you are hungry for a bigger trotter dinner, then I suggest you get yourself some from the back end of the pig rather than the front. Yeah, the front ones were kind of just like the little stubby bits, weren't they? Mm. Now, before sale, you will get them cleaned and typically have the hairs pulled off or blowtorched away. People do lots and lots of interesting things with trotters, depending where they are in the world. Sam, how are pigs' trotters tackled across the globe? Well, they're really cooked everywhere. I guess if we kind of think about them in terms of like social history, they're a really like cheap cut, aren't they? So all different sorts of countries have got some historic recipes and ways of cooking them. In Mexico, in the southern USA, China. Loads of places pickle their pigs' feet. In Norway, there is a salted and boiled pre-Christmas dish called the siltilab. Mmm, sounds Um, good. Salted and boiled. Sounds delightful, because nothing says Christmas like a salted (laughs) and boiled pig leg. Baby Jesus would have wanted. So there is a New York restaurant called Hakata Tonton, where 33 of the 39 dishes contain trotters. They must have looked at those remaining six dishes and gone, damn we not get some trotter in somewhere there is also a french chef called pierre kaufman whose stuffed trotter is meant to be like a true french classic a lot of people have it as a bit of a secret ingredient actually it can really be used to thicken gravies and sauces and basically put lots of porky goodness in everything yeah i think it's quite rare to sort of see a a fully formed pig's trotter on on a plate in a restaurant usually i think that they are used in some way perhaps to produce gelatin or yeah or, uh, i think so when i was like doing a bit of research it was um, clearly like every type of cuisine has got a way of using it up because as we've talked about before on this podcast lots of other countries are much better at using all the different bits of the meat yeah of the animal rather because i don't really remember seeing them around as a kid like they're quite a sort of a hipster thing now trotters well i think like all cheap cuts in times of recession and lockdowns some of these things can have a bit of resurgence you know you see it with offal quite a bit as well don't you like it's not very popular particularly like people who had to eat it in the 40s and 50s and then it makes a bit of a comeback Mm, as a hipster thing yeah so i'm going to focus on the dishes we made so one of the dishes we made was tonkotsu a tonkotsu ramen is an amazing brothy noodle dish which originated in Fukuoka in Fukuoka Prefecture. Ooh, we've been there. We have indeed been there. Yeah. And that's on the island of Kyushu? 
Yes, oh. in Japan. Tonkotsu started life in China, actually. No. Um, <laughs> really? I would have thought it was... Uh, but they're so proud of it in Japan. Yes, but they've made it their own, haven't they? So mm. Japanese soldiers brought it back. They brought back noodles from China. And then post-World War Two, Cheap US flour imports really became a bit of a game changer for ramen makers. Right, so they could make the noodles and they needed something to put it in. Bang in this pot yeah. and away Sto- they go. Stoles started popping up everywhere. And we know from our uh, multiple trips to Japan that every kind of region and city has got its own take on ramen and makes lots of different kinds. So locals start adding their own ingredients, like kind of styling it with some of their local produce. I love tonkotsu, you know. Like every time you have it, it's always slightly different. And as you say, all these places that serve them, little, not huts, they're bigger than huts, but they're, they're generally yeah, small Yeah, just little shops and stores, and it's amazing. And they've all got their own little variation on it and their own little, you know, maybe this place has got a smoked garlic oil on it and someone else does like something interesting with an egg but by and large like it's just a big old bowl of comfort yeah so it's made with pork bones and other ingredients boiled for several hours topped with sliced pork prepared as like an affordable and pretty easy food it's renowned now for how long it takes to cook we've been to tonkotsu oh which one did we go to one in um soho i think um, oh yeah, there's quite, a few of those, right? Two, yeah, those and rooms. do you remember they had like this huge, huge vat in the front window with this big milky broth mm. near the front, um, and the Fukuoka tonkotsu is kind of known as the cradle of tonkotsu, <laughs> and it's that like real the pork fat and use of the bones and the trotters that really give it that milky white. Bone daddies made they they sort of made it really hipster and popular didn't they a couple of years ago in well i'll say a couple of years probably 10 yeah, years ago i think we quite liked there but i thought we preferred um the restaurant that's called tonkotsu well so this is a bit of a thing when you're eating tonkotsu in japan a lot of the places that do it they're like stand-up restaurants it's a thing that you're supposed to eat quite quickly which does not sit that well with our lazy western sensibilities we like to eat a bit chat a bit whatever and bone daddy's was kind of channeling that stand and eat philosophy which is you know made for a delicious food but it's a less relaxing experience so that's why i personally like tonkotsu the restaurant more because it's a bit more sit downy a bit more sit downy a bit more get drunky and brothy i really kind of i wish that we'd known a little bit more about fukuaka tonkotsu ramen when we were there that because mm. you know we've eaten a lot of it now we've eaten a lot of it in japan and we eat a lot in japanese restaurants in the uk but mm. oh well we'll have to go back i know so, how did we cook it? So, you, you heard of this website, SeriousEats.com. I think we've mentioned them on, on the Apocalypse podcast before. And they have a fairly authoritative uh, article. It's a massive article about how tonkotsu is made. And they go through, in a sort of, following the scientific method of all the different ways that you can use to render down the, the fat and the meat and the tendons. And they come up with a definitive method, I guess. That is the the one that I followed. That's the tonkotsu you did. And in a nutshell, it's a minimum of three full days of boiling and rendering down those those trotters, so that they effectively dissolve. All you're left with at the end is a few hard bones in this milky broth. And there's other things that you do to get some more flavour in there, like you have to almost practically char blacken a load of onions like way way more than we, you would think was sensible but when that comes through in the in the broth with some bitterness it works really well but i mean this this 
this thing really made our flat, and arguably the entire whole block of flats and other people that live here, <laughs> yeah. uh, reeked of pork fat for really days, did. for like a week at least. To the extent that we had done a wash just before this started. Clothes wash. Clothes wash, yeah, and then, <laughs> no, yeah, it's a clothes wash. And then we had to redo it because everything had like remnants of pork fat smell and like stickiness yeah. on it. It was kind of gross. But it did help with social distancing. Like, no one wanted us to come close to us <laughs> where, when we smelled that badly of pork. <laughs> but, yeah, it's like a deep, deep... It's a sort of thin film of pork fat on everything we owned for a few days. And and we ended up with this delightful, delicious... Yeah, full of fat, collagen, tasty stuff. Lots of it is now in the freezer. Oh, we used it all. Yeah, we've eaten it all now. Oh, my word, we've used it all. So, that was the back trotters. What did we do with the front trotters? I mean, we were a little bit stuck with the front trotters, weren't we? We just decided to turn into gelatin, basically. As part of a, another recipe where we were using some offcuts, we made some really, really great pork pies. Uh, as, as you know, every great pork pie lives and dies on its jelly. So we made that, that, the, the pork pie jelly out of them. And I thought, actually, that was, that was as good as I've ever had a pork pie jelly. Yeah, so most of this was done as... The night started to draw in, we were really getting into winter and here in the UK we went into lockdown too and we were going on little drives when we were allowed mm. to go for a walk and we took all these pork pies with us for picnics. Yeah, they were great. Actually, I would say this this is a top tip for listeners at home. Make your own pork pies. Like They are a thousand times better than anything I've ever had in a shop. Really great. Yeah, the jelly was really tasty. And also your pastry, your mm. hot, sh- hot short crust, is that what it's called? Yeah, well, it was, I've never, it's hot water crust pastry, which I've never done before. You basically have to uh, melt down some lard and then mix in all your flour and other bits. And then you're on a race against time to form this thing before it cracks around your meat casing. Well, because it's got all those healthy ingredients in it, that's why we needed to go for a walk when we were eating it. True. Well, actually, the bone broth and things made for trial is actually reasonably healthy for you it's got collagen in it which is great for bones and all, all these you know skin i know keeping you healthy well um, there is something quite interesting i did with some of the gelatin so after we had made the pork pies what what we ended up with was, was an absolute shed load of, of gelatin, gelatin. <laughs> i mean like to make four big pork pies which is what we did you probably need like half a mug full of gelatin and we had probably two, three pints of just pure, unadulterated, wobbly pork gelatin. Yeah, well, I'd say that probably half of a drawer in the freezer is now just full up with bags of gelatin. I even put loads into an ice cube tray so that we can, if we ever need <laughs> yeah, just a like little a ice cube of gelatin to make a jelly for some reason, we can just get it out. So what have we been doing with all this excess gelatin, Sam? Um, well, we haven't really been doing anything with it at the moment. We're trying to find uses. But one thing I did try was to make a face mask with it. Well, you made a few face masks with it. Yeah, well, they're, because it is full of collagen, um, and that's basically what a lot of face masks are <laughs> made up of, there's a couple of online recipes for like organic face masks that you can make yourself. And you can mix it with yoghurt or mix it with milk and just make a little face mask. It's got a really... It dries... I put a little bit of flour in it to make it um, a little bit dry, but it dries really satisfying on your face, and then like to really crack it off. It was it was quite good. 
Don't think, am I looking younger? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I'm not sure if I can claim that they've got loads of great properties. Maybe I need to do it more often. But it was quite satisfying. It's really. I had it in the fridge, so it was really nice and cold as well. Smearing bebop on your face. Yes. Yes, I was. <laughs> Fabulous. Oh, what was the recipe for the pork pie? That's a good from the Ginger Pig Farmhouse Cookbook. Which we've mentioned before, and I'll mention it again, because it is a wonderful piece of kitchen theatre. And if we keep mentioning it, we might get a discount at the ginger pig <laughs> I mean you think this is not just because we live within I sort mean, of 10 minutes walking distance to the ginger pig I don't think they need the publicity no everyone but, knows they're an amazing butcher but, uh, but we like their wares and we like their cooking styles yeah and they did help us make a really amazing pork pie so we've made our ramen we've made our pork pie let's talk about what they tasted like back trotters tonkotsu ramen how was it for you Took, it took a couple of goes to get it right. I think the first batch of broth I over-seasoned and it got very salty. A bit too much soy. And, and also I chopped up some back fat and put that in there, which was part of the Serious Eats suggested recipe. And now it's a bit much. I had to have a lie down for a couple of hours. <laughs> but, you know, by the end, I think that we've got it right. I wouldn't say it was quite as anxious as some of those amazing bowls of tonkotsu that we had out in Japan. But it was a reasonable approximation. So 7 out of 10. I really liked it, but you are right, we did end up with food comas after every single time we had it. And it was just, it was really delicious, like being back in Japan, a great thing to have in the autumn, winter. Don't forget to tell everyone how you made the ramen eggs. Ramen eggs, you soft boil an egg and you just let it steep in soy sauce, star anise, mirin, and it just seeps in and creates like a nice salty slightly creamy yeah but that with the of deliciousness with the bite of the really good ramen noodles i think we bought some fresh noodles didn't we from thai smile which is the very awesome asian supermarket on our it's, doorstep it's all about the textures in a good bowl of ramen you know so you will have a, a good al dente noodle and a nice silky smooth egg thick broth that will coat the inside of your mouth and just let it all swill around in there wonderful stuff so good and the front trotters so we made four pies i mean the pies themselves were maybe actually i would have put a tiny bit more fat in the actual mince mixture but i can't blame the trotter for that so the the actual tiny bit less sugar in the pastry yeah maybe a little bit sweet but you know it was probably an eight out of ten with the potential to be a nine just with a bit of tweaking and they went very well with some homemade piccalilli that i got into making it was good around christmas when it was cold and but cold and bright weather, that's when you want a good pork pie, isn't it? Yeah, I'd agree. Eight for the pies. And I think eight for the tonkotsu as well. In terms of leftovers, I mean, we did have loads and loads of broth and loads and loads of gelatin. They're both very useful. I mean, I don't... Is the gelatin useful? How much jelly are we going to eat? How many face masks do you need? Well, I am nearly 40. <laughs> <laughs> People pay good money to have collagen like injected right into their face. Whereas all you need to do is just go out and spend a few pennies on a trial. Job done. Exactly, we've got litres of the stuff in the freezer. (laughs) On that note, don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any episodes of the popular podcast. Not many more to go. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram by searching for the Apocalypse Podcast. Join us on the next episode when we bought you yet again. We saving our bacon during lockdown 3, providing us with delicious meats and treats. Bye!